And welcome to this second part of my interview with Tim Heron discussing iron sights versus red dots on pistols. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed part one. If you missed part one and haven't listened to that one yet, I'd encourage you to go back and catch part one, which was the last episode before beginning this part two, because, well, part two will make a lot more sense once you've heard part one. A uh, reminder of today's episode sponsors are silencershop.com and also ccwsafe.com. I hope you'll uh, give some support to our sponsors that made this episode possible. So without further ado, let's get back to our discussion with Tim Heron. Here is part two. To think that one or of the other aiming devices don't fail, they do fail. Um, I'm also not one of these instructors that have just tracked either for my own needs or for the needs of students to, to just push, um, you know, like, again, kind of one polarizing opinion over the other. I've seen, honestly, just as many red dot sites fail in my classes as, as I've seen iron sites fail. And to be honest with you, that number is not that often. Like, like either way, you know, I mean, people are like, well, you know, I, in my classes, I see very few iron or very few red dots fail. I see a lot of iron sites fail. Mm, it's to me, it's, it's honestly, it's almost equal. You know, guys that like maybe they they lifted their gun out of the holster and the battery failed at the at the time that they needed it the most. Whether it be for a drill or an exercise or things like that, I've also seen people you know like <laughs> lift lift their gun or they've been fighting like a zero issue and then they happen to actually look down and look at the gun and they go, oh, well that's not good. You know, my windage screw or my elevation screw or my adjustable rear sight or you know has come loose or has fallen off or. The, the actual rear sight itself has started to drift one direction or the other, or like on Glocks, for goodness sake, that the front sight is kind of just a, a teeny tiny little screw that's threaded in um, and having those, those factory screws, even on aftermarket sites, start to back out and now the front sight's kind of flipping, flopping around. I've seen it happen with all kinds of things. Emitters or diodes dying on, uh, on red dot sites. You know, I mean, like I said, uh, and honestly, I, I can't say that one is more predominant than the other. Failures are failures. Aiming devices fail. Mechanical things, man-made mechanical things, gasp, do fail, you know? And so uh, it, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's neither here nor there on that. Yeah. I, I would say that from my perspective, just looking at equip, strictly equipment, uh, that one of the arguments that stands out in my mind that doesn't get probably mentioned as much as it probably could, I think, in, in this sort of debate is just the idea of having a backup aiming solution. Mm -hmm. uh, the redundancy of having irons and a dot. Like, just like, you know, most people that put, well, okay, obviously in the old days, you know, of shooting rifles, a carbine, an AR, you had iron sights. And granted, that's kind of a whole different animal when uh, when your front sight is basically a permanently affixed front, you know, site post and you know get gas block combination and all that like that's a that's a whole other thing perhaps but uh uh you know most guys these days have at least two aiming options on their sure. carbine rifles right you know well reason for that if this goes down i've got that if that goes down i've got this so right. I, I i appreciate that approach from a defensive uh perspective and i i i i, I just wonder why like more people don't look at it that way from, uh, you know, like, Hey, if my red dot stops working, I've got irons, right? Like that's, that's kind of the point. It's not like, 
well, your battery's going to die or that, you know, emitter's going to die on you when you need it the most. It's like, well, I'm just going to use my irons. And I, I recognize that there's possibly still some other challenges there. I'll give you one example. The, the I think the most dangerous failure of a red dot optic on a pistol would be one where it loses zero because you'll still see a dot and you're like, optics still working and Correct. you're sending shots and it's not like you're, you're going to have a hard time in that moment knowing that there's something wrong. Right. And, and not it, going where they should go. And it can lose zero for a number of different reasons, right? It's not just, Oh, it loses zero because either the windage or elevation settings have, uh, have stopped working or, or like the adjustments themselves have, uh, have loosened up. Uh, we see it for a number of other options as well. Um, dot mount, uh, mounting screws uh, as they mount to the plate, plate mounting hardware um, as, as the screws that mount the plate to the slide, um, if, if you're using a, a plate. So, and we see a lot of different things that can cause, in fact, that's probably the most significant uh, failure in, in red dots that I actually see in my classes more than anything else is um, people that are, they're not, they're not mounting them correctly. Um, or they've, they've not followed kind of prescribed methods, or maybe they just didn't know, you know, they're like, well, I got a handful of screws and I've got a little tool set here. Let me put this on and I'm ready to go shoot. Um, yep. and, and you see a lot of I, things. I, I agree with that. 100% that the most, the number one failure has been usually loose optics. Yep. And usually, and, I'm, I, and the question I ask is, well, how did you mount this? Did you torque, did you torque it to the appropriate spec? Oh, there's a torque spec. Oh yes, exactly. There's <laughs> a lot of times they're over torqued, not under torqued, yeah. but a lot of times yep. they're over torqued. And with like a number four forty small little like threaded screw with a shoulder on them, if they're over torqued, especially on something that small, they'll stretch. And when they stretch, they lose tension and they lose the torsional rigidity. And then the screws themselves will start to back right back off again. Yep. Um, you know, the other question asked them too is that did you use any sort of a, a thread locker on those? Oh yeah, I use blue Loctite. You can't use blue. You've got to use red. Right. You know, like it needs to be something a little bit more permanent. Well, I didn't want to put red Loctite on it because sometimes I switch back to iron sights on there or, well, this is just a trial period. And like, well, you know, there there are um, alternatives, to, you know, like methods of being able to remove screws that have red Loctite on them. Just because you believe it to be a permanent threading solution doesn't necessarily make it a permanent solution. Um, but again, you know, it's like, well, I just wanted to try this. So they they hand tighten the screws and sometimes they're uh, they're under tightened as well. But yeah, I, predominantly the, the biggest failures I see with red dots are mounting, um, not either not having the correct tools. Um, if you're using the little plastic T-handle thumb screw tool that comes with the optic as a means of, of mounting the optic to it, don't do that. Um, guarantee that optic's not going to be tight enough or secured on the, the on the slide enough to be able to to withstand the impacts. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, then of course, and if you've got a an optics ready slide. You know, you're like, well, I've got an optics ready slide, but it's not ready for the optic that I choose. So now you've got an aftermarket optics manufacturer that now there's a mounting, you know, kind of a kind of a mounting interference between being able to mount their optic directly to your gun. So now you've got to get a third party uh, mounting plate. So now you've got to ask three different manufacturers to be able to speak to one another well enough that you know, you've got a plate that has to work well with the optic that also has to work well and kind of interface between the, the slide. Um, and, and those things can, can cause, you know, some significant issues as well. So 
Um, but don't also think that just direct mount optics are the way to go either, because depending on who is manufacturing or who is doing the, uh, you know, doing the, the slide cut um, as far as the machining on the slide, they may or may not be, you know, or, or may or may not be able to, you know, to, uh, to manufacture or not manufacture, but to machine the slide directly to the absolute specs that the, you know, that the optic needs to be. Um, to hold the optic as still as possible in there as well. And if you're just relying on the screws to be able to withstand the, uh, like the, the shear forces on, you know, on the optic and how the optic is mounted to the slide, it's never going to work either. It's not a question of if it's a question of when those screws will, will shear. Absolutely. And these are the exact same problems we've seen for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years now with iron sights, you know, people will buy iron sights and they think, well, will this fit my dovetail? Right. And, and we see the same thing happen a lot. Um, people that go to a gunsmith or they try to gunsmith fit it at their home at their kitchen table and they file off one, you know, like with iron sights and like, oh, I'm going to put a new front sight on my dovetail or a new rear sight on the dovetail. And they take one path with the slot, with the, uh, with the file too much. And now they've got, a, you know, a, a sight to dovetail interference that's less than a thousandth oversized. So now instead of tapping it in with a hammer, what do they do? They cover it with red Loctite and they just kind of slide it in with their hands and they're like, well, that should be good enough. And then they wonder why their iron sights slide out one way or the other or, you know, things like that. I mean, it's it, a lot of that. Is, again, it's it's user error more than anything else or installer error. Um, you know, if, if you're reliant on your Glock plastic sights, you know, otherwise known as dovetail protectors, um, to be the, the predominant aiming device on your Glock pistol, man, you're in for a treat because again, you, you can't expect plastic to interfere, um, or, or to, you know, to have good tolerances between, you know, a steel cut dovetail, you know, on, on the rear slide. So you see rear sights that fall off those guns all the time, or they loosen themselves off to the left or off to the right and things like that as well. So, I mean, it's, Again, if it's if it's man-made or man-fit, depending on how well it's fit or how well it's put together or assembled, it could be a point of failure. So those are yeah. other things to really to take into consideration before you just jump the, you know, kind of jump over to like, well, I'm going to run an optic because iron sights fail or, well, I'm never going to run an optic because I hear all these other, you know, these other points of contention with how they fail. I'm just going to stick with my iron sights. Mm. It's it's yeah. 51. It's, it's, it's half a dozen of a one you know, six and one half dozen of another kind of thing. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I'm just going to rely on the Niels Johnson uh, approach as far as uh, holding iron sights on, you know, like a single stack front sight, uh, I think is like held on with bubble gum and duct tape or something. Yeah, it might you know? be. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he wills the bullets into the right spot on the target. Works for him, right. Uh, that was a treat looking at that gun uh, at his home and, and he, you know, it's just, that's just that, that, that thing is beat up and it's amazing. It's still winning championships for him mm -hmm. anyway. Um, so yeah, I do. Uh, you covered so much there, I think in just like the last 10 minutes in a very, uh, thorough manner. We'll put it that way. I thought you hit on a lot of the, the key points. Uh, I was just going to add you know, one more thing, kind of touching on the, the whole, uh, I, I think I kicked you off there by mentioning something about the most dangerous failure, I think, for a red dot is when it loses zero in some fashion. Because you're going to think, hey, my dot's still working, and uh, you know, all of a sudden rounds are not impacting where they should. Uh, the easier one to fix is, hmm, no dot. 
okay, let's go to my irons, right? And that's that's the other side of this that uh, I just had a student in an intro to competitive shooting class at the ASP conference last month, where I guess technically now two months ago, we're into November now, um, where uh, they were shooting my little practice stage and mm-hmm. got to the final position, you know, during the course of movement and performing a reload, went to their final uh, uh, target array engagement and were like fishing for the dot. And they were fishing for a while. And I was like right over their shoulder and I said, I just whispered, you know, I was like, stick the front sight in your optic window. You know, that's all I said. And they were, they're were all doing this. And, and finally they heard the message and they're like, oh, hey, there's my dot. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like something. And that's how I've always trained uh, folks in my classes, uh, particularly from the defensive side is if, and there are some instructors, I think, that take a different approach on this or have a different philosophy. But I, I, I truly feel like if I ever present my gun and I don't see a dot, I really feel like the default response has got to be assume dot is no longer functioning. Now, it might just be a presentation problem or a positional problem, but assume that sucker's not working. And chances are, if you just stick the front sight in the window, even if you don't quite get the sights totally lined up, a lot of times all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, my dot's back and you're back, you know, up and running. And it might only take half a second. That's a lot better than fishing for two. Sure. Well, and that's and a lot of that is where we see again, like the 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 leverages or the the advantages, so to speak, of red dots to iron sights, right? Like I said, mm-hmm. most people that have shot, shot iron sights for quite some time have learned, you know, where they can more grossly aim the gun to a particular target, and where they need to more um, more carefully aim the gun, or, or be a little bit more deliberate in how they aim. Whereas with a red dot, it's like the dot's either in the window or it's not. Right. But there are different alternative methods to being able to aim a red dot pistol the same way. Um, there's there's grossly aiming a red dot optic pistol to a target uh, three yards, five yards, six yards away um, where you may not need to see a dot, whether it be a red dot, green dot, a streak, any color, anything like that in the window at all. Learning how to more grossly aim the gun um, either by using either the backplate method um, or uh, kind of anchoring or or presenting the the rear optic window frame itself to just kind of the center of the target that may be enough to to aim the gun. Um, and so again, it's 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 kind of that that kind of polarized. Like if I'm using a red dot, I have to see a red dot all the time. Whereas like you know iron sight shooters are like, ah, oh, well I need to see the front sight in all of its glory. And other iron sight shooters are like, are you crazy? That target's five yards away. You don't need to see any part of the front sight on there. Stick the gun on the target and whack the trigger, and you're good to go. And I think people have again, it it, it just they they go back to well if the red dot's there, you know, or if the red dot if I'm looking for a red dot, I need to see a red dot before I can truly aim the gun. Um, you know, we we see the same thing out past ten yards or twelve yards. Um, people are aiming the gun regardless of uh, whether you, you, it's an electronic aiming device like a red dot or iron sights. They're aiming the gun almost the same way. This is where we don't see really any advantage a red dot has over iron sights when you're using both um, kind of as efficient as possible. Where we start to really see the advantages with red dots is in higher level of, of, uh, of precision needed at distances of say 10 to 10 yards and beyond. 
Um, not that you can't be obviously very precise with iron sights, but generally we have always associated precision with iron sights as being, this is where we need to be 100% front sight focused. And I disagree wholeheartedly with that. Um, you know, you just, again, it's, it's all to, all to the, the point of awareness. What are we aware of? With iron sights, we need to be aware of a little bit more. With red dot sights, as the distance starts to go out, we can be a little less aware of everything, everything else regarding a, a, like a rear sighting system and a front sighting system and how those two play together because it's basically we're looking through an optic window and the dot's there. We're aware the dot's there. We place the dot or superimpose the dot on the target and we get, we, we, we're we ready to press the trigger. So where we start to see advantages with, with red dots is at further distances, uh, both in transitions as well as like shot splits because of our visual awareness to only just needing to kind of see one little piece of information versus two pieces of information. But I, I will say I disagree with people talking about three focal planes, um, like with iron sights. That's just not how the eye works. The eye is not shuttling from target to front sight, front sight to rear sight, back to front sight, back to target again. Um, if anything, the eye, because we keep, again, we keep preaching this mantra of hard front sight focus, that the eyes will look at the target and then back to the front sight and back to the target, back to the front sight. And we're basically superimposing the rear sight and kind of just looking through the rear sight peripherally to kind of fine tune the gun. And that's, to me, that's the most, I don't want to say the most inefficient means of aiming the gun, but it's a very inefficient means of aiming an iron sight gun at a target beyond say 15 to 18 yards. Um, I like to basically use the rear sight as kind of the, my initial like visual awareness cue. Like if the rear sight is aligned to the target, guess where the muzzle's probably aligned, probably going to be aligned more so to the target, or at least we know the gun in hand is aligned to the target. So if I'm continually looking at the target and the rear sight is kind of superimposed on the target. Now I just need to be a little bit more visually aware of where the front sight is in relation to the rear notch. And if the front sight is aligned up into the rear notch, I'm utilizing the exact same plane of focus, right? That singular plane of focus as I would with a, with a red dot sight, even with my iron sights. So instead of looking at two different things, I'm still looking at one. I'm taking an entire sight picture, front and rear sight together, and I'm just superimposing them on to the target at 20, 25 yards away and pressing the trigger. And I'm watching that sight system lift and return. Is it as clean as a red dot? No. Therefore, like I said, the advantage to red dot is at those distance is at further distances because the red dot stays nice and clean. The optic window stays nice and clear from anything else. I'm able to see a dot superimposed, you know, like one, one teeny little dot superimposed onto a, a particular spot on the target. And when it's there and my mind says it's time to operate the trigger, I operate the trigger. So, you know, and, and but other than that, like the way you the, the way we actually visually physically aim the gun honestly isn't any different if you're utilizing iron sights as efficient as you can and should be. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking back over my own experience, you know, the last month and a half running irons uh, pretty much exclusively. Mm-hmm. There was, I think one or two instances where I pulled out the dot for, you know, specific purposes, but went, and then I went to production nationals and uh, that was a, interesting experience uh you know because again i that's not something i do 
typically. And it was interesting, obviously, for a lot of reasons, having to reload every couple of rounds for one. Um, amazingly, I only had one standing reload in the whole match. I was pretty proud of that fact. <laughs> but because uh, I, I, I fully expected well, one standing reload. Man. <laughs> yeah. And that was on the one stage where I was like, I knew I had an aggressive plan. And I even mentioned to somebody after the fact, like, why'd you do that? I was like, oh, I, I knew I was kind of going, you know, aggressive on this. This is the wrong stage to go aggressive on. Hey, I didn't say I am smart at my decision making <laughs> at times with my strategy choices here. But uh, <laughs> um, no, so uh, my own takeaway from the last you know six weeks of experimentation, uh, and it's been a, it's been a, a fun thing to re-engage on the iron sight side of the equation uh, was that definitely up close and in. You know, as you've just talked about, uh, and I don't have a problem with over-confirming my red dot at close distances, mm-hmm. like like a lot of people that you know you mentioned do sometimes. Uh, I, I don't wait for a dot at certainly five yards and in. Probably not a lot of times at seven yards and in on wide open targets, uh, mostly because my index is pretty solid. And you know, put that optic window on the center of the target, send two shots. I mean, that right, most of the time the dot. Thing- you do this thing called practice, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's similar with, with iron-sighted gun, right? Like, I'm not necessarily waiting for, let's see, front sight, rear sight, perfect. You know, I'm not waiting for a whole lot there. I'm, I'm right. seeing, here is my gun, yep. this block of metal, and it's centered on that A zone. Let's send it now, you know, right. kind of thing. You're grossly aiming the pistol the same way. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and coincidentally... Do I see, say, the green of my fiber optic in there, you know, in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. Do I see most of the time my dot and my red dot gun uh, on those closer distances? Yeah, it's there 98% of the time, mm-hmm. but I'm not waiting for it. And that's that's the, the distinction there. What I did notice uh, from probably, yeah, 10 yards, but especially like 15-ish and out, definitely we see a fall off between the irons and the dot. Mm-hmm. And I, what was, what kind of was a interesting takeaway for me was I didn't have really a problem with elevation, you know, uh, uh, as far as like air uh, aiming errors, I didn't have a problem with elevation. The targets that I struggled the most with were partials where I had either just a, a, one side of the partial to work with or, tuxedo type targets uh my first mic of the match came on a on a tuxedo (laughs) and that's where i was like whoa buddy you gotta gotta slow this down a little bit and see a little bit more that this little bit right here was where i had to really be a little bit more careful Mm -hmm. Uh, i'd love to hear you know any uh pointers you have as far as that's concerned especially using a target accommodated you know approach where uh you know i mentioned to somebody i they, they, they asked the question i think you saw it on my post because you liked it or something they're like did you sh- shoot target focused or whatever i was like yeah i shot the entire match the entire match target focused um, i can generally tell when i'm shooting target focused or not because like we hear that again that uh you know that loud and clear screaming from the rooftops you want to be so hard front sight focused that you should be able to see every serration you know in the front sight I couldn't tell you the last time that I actually saw a serration from my front sight at all, or even serrations from the rear sights, right? I see 
a somewhat kind of fuzzy front sight, but I can still make out left side and right side of the site. I can still make out the top of the site and I can make out like what the fiber, you know, the fiber optic in that fiber front sight looks like. I can also tell you what the, what the notch looks like and what the overall size and shape of my rear sight looks like. But as far as like seeing every serration or every scratch or every whatever, my, my if, if I had that level of focus, I would have no awareness of anything beyond what's here 18 inches in front of my eye. So, I mean, yeah. Um, and this is kind of where I utilize again, like I think about my awareness of how I aim a, a front sight or I'm sorry, how I aim an iron sight gun to a target is kind of like, again, like kind of that anchoring the rear sight. And I know some people are like anchoring, what's that mean? And other instructors would be like, oh, he's, you know, he's full of crap. I, you know, the anchoring thing doesn't work, but it like, think about what is the very first thing that really comes into your point of view as you're looking at something when you then superimpose the gun in, in, in between your line of sight, between your eyeball and the target, right? Generally, if with a, with a optic gun, you're seeing kind of the top of the hood and then you're seeing like the frame of the optic window, right? So, and like, once you see that, even though like you may not be looking directly or focused directly at the, at the left and right edges of the optic window, you still have to look through the optic window to then be able to get confirmation that the dot is where it needs to be. So think about how iron sights work the exact same way. The rear sight, which we generally tell people not to worry too much about or to focus too much about, the rear sight becomes like that, that, that last bastion of effort to to more to more carefully aim the gun, it becomes like even though it's the largest kind of aiming device on the pistol, it gets the the last little bit of like of of confirmation basically to address like how how careful or how deliberate we need to aim at. When in reality is it's the largest aiming device we have on the gun. Why not use it first? So when I'm looking at a target, the very first thing I see is the size and shape and width of the entire rear sight. Not the notch on the rear sight, but the entire width of the rear sight. So that kind of like, that's what sets the tone. If the rear sight is centered on the target like I need it to be, then as I'm looking through that rear sight, I see the front sight and I can see brown on both sides of the front sight. You know, so this is where the, like the tuxedo, you know, like a tuxedo target that's got hardcover or black on both sides of it. If I place the rear sight basically directly across it and I, I'm aligning that, I'll see the notch kind of cut out around the, you know, kind of around the center. If I see brown throughout the rear notch, the front sight just kind of falls in that rear notch. Guess what I'm ready to do? I'm ready to press the trigger. I didn't have to like change my visual accommodation to like a hard focused on the front sight to that. I just need to be a little bit more aware of that alignment of the rear sight to front sight to, you know, uh, and of that pair as it's aligned to the, the, the paper target itself, right. Before I, before I press the trigger, like when I, when we talk about like, uh, well, you need to be focused more or you need to refine the sights even more I, I don't look at it as like it's a visual refinement process as much as it's just more of a, a refinement of my awareness. Okay, is the front sight anywhere? Well, now the front sight's a little proud. I need to bring the front sight down to where, again, I'm fixing the elevation issue. But if it, if the front sight is a little, you know, a little to the left or a little to the right, I need to be, I need to be just a little bit more aware that I'm aligning the sight, you know, like more centered in that notch. I'm not looking at it. I'm just aware of where that's at before I send the shot. And that's how, like, that's the level of care, right? You know, between kind of a, 
like a gross accommodated kind of a, a, a gross aimed shot versus a more refined aim shot versus a very refined aim shot. Or as um, like Ben Steger and, uh, and Juan Zekimo kind of like talked about, Mason Lane also uses the, the, the terminology too, like kind of a confirmation one, confirmation two, confirmation three kind of sight picture. You're still utilizing the same kind of confirmation levels, even with a red dot. You're using those same com- those same confirmation levels, even with iron sights. But it, to each person, it's a very personal journey as to where they feel comfortable utilizing one of those confirmation levels over the other. You know, inside a set of yards, probably going to be more confirmation one, like grossly aimed as gross as possible. Is the back of the gun or is the entire gun itself aligned to the center of the target? Great. Send it. Right. Confirmation two is, OK, now I need to be able to like with a red dot. Am I seeing just a streak of color? you know, in the, in the center or, uh, you know, in the middle of the target someplace, you know, because I'm, my, I'm visually, I'm picking up like just the streak of the dot or, or maybe even the streak of just the fiber on my iron sights or the front side kind of just setting someplace, you know, kind of naturally left, right, high or low. Maybe it's a little deviated left, right, high or low, but it's there. I'm ready to send it. And that's kind of that confirmation too. That confirmation three Right is more like okay. If I've got a two MOA dot, I want that two MOA dot to be two MOA centered and nice and still, or parked, or as as still as I can make it for say that twenty five yard precision shot. Mm. Whereas like confirmation three with an iron sight might be okay. Now I need to see equal height, equal light. You know, the, but I'm still I can still do that peripherally. You know, just as I'm target focused. But again, it's just that that front sight to that rear sight, equal height, equal light. Okay, now I'm ready to carefully press the trigger so as not to disturb that. And that's the the, the, the confirmation levels don't change just because, well, I've got a red dot on the gun now, or I've got a I've got iron sights on the gun. And so everything changes. No, it doesn't. It's the same. Right? The, the same attitude it needs to be addressed to to whether whatever aiming device you're using. Yeah. 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 I agree with that for sure. I will say, uh, just thinking again, back to my production nationals experience that, uh, uh, I did recognize and just reviewing some match footage. I'm like, Whoa, after a couple of uh, missteps here and there, uh, where I didn't see what I needed to see, I definitely recognized I shot very carefully at, at times through the match and probably throughout a lot of the match actually. Uh, but I was doing something that I wasn't as familiar with or as comfortable with. Sure. And I, I do see that if I did it, obviously if I practiced it more and more and more, I'd get a lot more comfortable with what those various levels of confirmation are or need to be. And I'd get better at it. Well, Um, and here's the thing to think about, right? That confirmation levels, think about where you might've struggled and where you needed to see just a little bit more with iron sights versus where you would have been able to more, I don't want to say loosely aim the gun, but been able to confirm where the dot is in alignment to the target much quicker. And I'm, I'll bet you, if I if I had to put money on it, it was probably at distances beyond 12 yards, and oh, yeah. especially at distances beyond 12 yards where either a no shoot or hard cover or partial target, something that required a little bit more precision than you know. And, and think about how easy it is to just center a dot, you know, to a to a particular spot on the target versus just needing a little bit more confirmation. To, to make sure that entire bore itself is aligned front and rear and, and looking to kind of see what you need to on those things. And yeah. there's where the advantage of a red dot starts to 
you know, it starts to kind of overpower where we're seeing, you know, an advantage with, with iron sights. Yeah. Inside yeah, of say, 12 yards, there is none outside beyond 12 yards. Yeah. We start to see it. it the, the tolerances stack up to, to the red dot. I will say the one surprising thing out of all of that that was like, whoa, wow, I didn't expect that, was uh, my performance on shooting steel was much better than I expected. Uh, I'm not sure if I quite have my finger on why that would be, but I fully, uh, not that you should go into a match having like expectations of lack of performance, but mm-hmm. I just, I, I remember thinking like, okay, like I really got to make sure, especially on some, I mean, we had some, you know, mini poppers at some pretty good distances at that match, but just for whatever reason, I get onto a steel target and I just did a lot better job. I think of seeing what Confirming. I needed to see to, yes. to actually get the hits. Um, it just, it, that went better than I expected. So that's good. That's <laughs> it was good. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right. Let's, let's, we can need to start wrapping this up actually, uh, you know, taking plenty of your time, but, um, I think if someone's listening to this episode and they're expecting, you know, this great debate between iron sights and, and red dots, they're probably like, well, this feels like a little bit of a letdown. I think what you're finding, <laughs> if I was going to start, start summarizing this, you know, uh, we've covered so many things, wonderful things. I think to kind of start summarizing this, I think what you will find in our discussion today is that whether you are using an iron sighted gun or a red dot mounted gun, that there's nuance to both of those sighting arrangements. Absolutely, there is. And Absolutely. no matter what you do, you like you need to understand what the how to use them properly. Right. Yep. I mean, either or is going to take some work. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it it and it's and it should it should take some work. And that means that you 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 should have some attention to get better at whatever aiming device uh, you you happen to use. Right. They're like the the practice is there so that you become. Uh, more more adept in being able to use it when you need it. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing I would summarize this kind of with, and this is from my personal perspective on it all, and, and also kind of what I intend to take forward from all of this, uh, especially the last six weeks of, you know, transitioning from dot to irons and back to, you know, kind of going back a little bit more to the dot. Now I haven't done a lot of shooting since production nationals. Uh, I got back from that, but uh, is that, learning how to shoot red dot very effectively helped me a lot and be able to shoot irons and probably where it helped me the most was actually learning how to shoot irons using a target focus or target target accommodation Mm -hmm. i do think that's been a huge help to me from where i used to be with irons then going back to irons for a time i think it's going to help me run my red dot even better still i think it will too for what exactly you just mentioned about like with uh, with regard to steel. So a lot of times we tend to, I don't want to say disregard, but we don't put enough attention on steel, especially like steel at distance. And when you're used to just being able to kind of superimpose a flash of red across the steel, we take it for granted. And with iron sights, there needs to be just a little bit more confirmation there before we start to press the trigger. So I think for for those reasons shooting iron sights for a little bit will kind of put your attention back onto, I need to see, maybe I need to confirm the dot just a little bit more still or with a little bit less movement on, you know, steel targets before I start pressing the trigger again to increase the likelihood that you're going to get a first round hit again on steel. So I, I, I definitely see, and I do it all the time, you know, like 
about every other practice session, even at home, I'm you know, like, okay, today I'm going to work on my red dot stuff. And then, you know, two days or three days from now, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to work on my iron sight stuff. And like, so I can stay like really kind of up to date with everything. But uh, like, I found there's differences and similarities in both and in ways that I maybe didn't necessarily expect it. And I think that a lot of the similarities are where some other people maybe don't test back-to-back things like that. So they make these, they, they make these statements that aren't just necessarily that, that aren't, aren't the truth. You know, they're, they're, again, they become very polarized in, in their ways of thinking. And I try to remain as, as unpolarizing as I can. Right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, I've seen some, some, some pretty good uh, uh, J- Ru- Jimmy Rustling from you yeah. from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I, I think that, you know, you have obviously a level of experience uh, that, you know, has opened your mind to a lot of these things, a lot of the nuance. You also see a lot of different shooters, a lot of different uh, uh, guns and different levels of skill. And I think that that uh, expands your own perspective, uh, probably more so than, than most folks get the opportunity to do so. Well, I try to, I, I like to question things, you know, um, whether it's maybe for the good or sometimes for the Jimmy Russell and bad, you know, <laughs> like I, I don't like ever um, to speak in absolutes either from my own vantage point or viewpoint or other people to speak in absolutes based on, you know, sometimes limited knowledge of things. Right. So anytime that anybody gives me kind of an absolute, well, this is, this is this, and this is why. And I'm like, Hmm. Oh, really? Allow me to test that, right? Like, I would like to experiment with that a little bit to see if perhaps I see, you know, like maybe I come up with a different conclusion than that. And sometimes I do. Other times, maybe I just confirm the conclusion that somebody else already told me. But a lot of times, the the conclusion I have is that there really is not an absolute conclusion. You know, I mean, it, 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 everybody's eyes work a little bit differently. Everybody's skill level is going to be different. Um, some people... Um, you know, I like shoot red dots better than they do irons. Other people shoot irons better than they do red dots. And then you have to kind of, you have to stand back and kind of take a 10,000 foot look at things, you know, like, okay, are they predominantly an iron sight shooter and they don't have enough, um, exposure to a red dot because they've always been an iron sight shooter. Or is this red dot shooter kind of, maybe they started shooting red dots, you know, very, very early in their, in kind of their shooting journey. And maybe they just haven't spent enough time with iron sights to really kind of ring out all of the advantages that they could possibly see, um, you know, with iron sights as well. And Mm -hmm. so like, don't come at me with that at the same time, this other guy, don't come at me with that either, because Mm -hmm. I try to spend a lot of time with both to, to really kind of, you know, come up with my own conclusions on things. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. I like to challenge both, you know, my students as well as friends and peers and everybody else. It's like, like there, there needs to be, you know, kind of like, like Rob Latham. And I know he's in it to you as well. You know, that the, the three words I hate to hear, but love to hear is always like, Oh, it's gotta be this. And Robbie will just kind of peek in her ear and be like, are you sure? And it's like, never have I never been so unsure now as when somebody <laughs> is making me question how sure I am on things like that. And that should be a question we ask ourselves all the time. You know, like, yep, this is it. This, this, this I've got complete conclusive evidence now. And then just to stop even a day from now and be like, wait a minute, am I sure? Am I hundred percent sure? Have I truly given it, you know, the benefit of 
of, of experimentation, both directions, you know, or have I looked at it from every angle? And it's a, that's a big thing. Mm. And that's yeah. unfortunately a lot of people just want to, they want to be told what to believe. And then by gosh, that's what they're going to believe. And it's like, mm, wait a minute, you need to come up to your own conclusions. It's going to require some time and effort and work and exposure to things and experimentation. And don't be afraid to experiment. Yep. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take your word for it. You know? Yep. Well, like I said, I think that's where I, going forward, I'm going to definitely try to mix in more iron-sided practice uh, with the red dot shooting than what I've done in previously. And I think part of that was is I got to a place where um, I had my competition carry optics gun. I had a backup version of that. I had my carry gun, which had an optic, and I had a backup for that. Sure. And I got to a place where I didn't have a gun set up the way I liked it with <laughs> irons on it. And so for prod nats, man, I, I, I bought a dedicated slide with, with irons. I was like, okay. Th- and, and now I've got it. So it's real simple to be like, okay, take that off, stick it on, you know, this yep. lower here and, and go do some practice with it. And it's, uh, it was, it's been eye opening. I've learned a lot and Good. I look forward to continue to expand uh, my own understanding. And uh, I, I, I think it, to, to future conversations and things, you know, with it yeah. being able to just kind of to see what your thoughts are on things like that as you continue to experiment and, and play around with it. So cool. Well, and I hope to see you at uh, low cap nationals or iron sight nationals next year uh, where, there. you know, my, my intent is to go and shoot single stack. Uh, yes. Which, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you know, I did have a good time shooting production. So, but I, I think that I will try to stick to the plan. I've got that, that single stack gun finally set up the way I like it. And uh, let's go, uh, let's go play in the, the big bore division. So, and here's the thing, right? So I've got, I've got a range just about six hours South of you here in New Mexico now. Yep. So we need to come out and just like set up a whole weekend when I have one of those things called a weekend available. <laughs> uh, or even if we've just got a couple of weekdays that you and I can get together yep. and uh, yep. we'll just, we'll set up some stages and, and have some fun and just shoot a ton and learn. So. Yeah, Absolutely. Now we'll, Let's do it. I mean, we we have talked about that a little bit. Uh, you got got to make the stars align and the schedules align, and uh, but let's Indeed. do it. Thanks for this discussion today. I hope this has been helpful and, and enlightening for our viewers and listeners here on the podcast, uh, folks. Tim is, I'm sure, as you've recognized, uh, very experienced, very knowledgeable, and a well-respected peer. Uh, an absolutely fantastic instructor, one of the best, and I mean that truly, one of the best in the yeah. industry. Uh, he does some things that I still haven't seen anybody else do. And one of those things, just to give people a little bit of an insight into your class, assuming you still do it, and I'm pretty sure you do because you mentioned it before we went live that you're working on this, is uh, your personal level of feedback, personalized feedback mm-hmm. back to students is unrivaled uh, with anybody uh, in that uh Folks, when you get home from a class with Tim, uh, it might take a week, might take two, it might take three weeks, but you're going to get an email from him with very specific personalized guidance of, hey, we spent a weekend together, we trained together, you already got some feedback from me during the weekend, and here's your roadmap for the future based on uh, what we what we worked on together and what I saw from you. And that was, uh, I still refer back to that email. Awesome. From, you know, when I did your class two, three summers ago. Uh-huh. So yeah. uh, guys go to check out Tim at Tim and highly recommend him for a class that, uh, that you are considering in the future. Any of you within the sound of my voice, do it. 
Thanks, man. So, any it. final parting words for us, Tim? Gosh, I, I can't really think of any that we haven't already discussed. So <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. And uh, and thank you for kind of, you know, showcasing my business and, and company and, and uh, for all the wonderful and kind things that you say. And I love all of our all of our discussions outside of the podcast that we have. And we always get to talk shooting and we're both historians on this kind of thing, which is, it's awesome. Um, I, I love kind of being able to nerd out with you on, on all that, all that fun stuff too. So I appreciate you letting me be a guest on tonight. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks for being generous to your time. So folks, we'll wrap it up. Uh, one final uh, reminder and shout out to our sponsors of this episode, which we have Silencer Shop today. So again, silencershop.com is where you can find them and CCW Safe, which of course you can find at ccwsafe.com and appreciate your support of them, support us and make what we do possible. And so until next time, we bid you all adieu. We bid uh, Tim adieu and we let you know or remind you to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm-hmm.